Hi, and welcome to the Boat Princess podcast. My name is Nikki Vo, and I'm your host. I am a boat owner, a marina owner, a director on the Marina Industries Association, and a huge advocate for boating. In this series, I'm sharing the stories from every nook of the boating industry with the intention of encouraging more women to join me and for more women to get behind the helm too. I want to share the experience and opportunities of boating, of the boating industry, and I want you to join me as I bring the conversations and answer all the questions you've had. Boating is not just for the glamorous and rich and famous. It's full of beautiful and interesting people making the most of our natural environment and getting out there, enjoying the waterways. So let's set off the lines, take over the helm and escape to the world of boating. So welcome everyone to another episode of the Boat Princess podcast. I am here today with Mark Elkington, who is the CEO of Iliad Catamarans. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Nikki. And uh, I'm uh, sure you've enjoyed the great run down the harbour this afternoon to see what uh, Iliad Catamarans is all about. I certainly did. Wow. Um, Incredibly stable ride. Yeah, look, catamarans, are, uh, that's their DNA. A catamaran uh, has two hulls separated by a fair bit of water, so uh, you don't get that roll uh, that you do on a monohull, uh, which are wonderful boats. Uh, we, we, we love all boats, but uh, this is just another uh, type of boat in the market. Yeah, it's great. And I, I, I was literally walking around with a video camera in one hand and... and um, and walking comfortably around the vessel, even when you were approaching and through wash. Yes, and uh, well, we went offshore out through the harbour today. It uh, was a beautiful day, though. Oh, well, let's face it, we didn't yeah. see any whales, but uh, we did see some lovely um, uh, scenery out there. And it was great to take the new owners of this boat out, uh, who flew in from uh, uh, Florida to the Sydney Boat Show to have a look at this brand that they've heard about and. Uh, they uh, proceeded with buying the boat. How so, good is uh, that? It was wonderful to see their faces today that the the, the sea keeping and the boat uh, did meet their expectations and, you know, that, that that's really important to us. That's absolutely amazing. So they literally flew into Sydney Boat Show from the US. They rang us on Tuesday, um, asked about the boat's availability, uh, which was, is a couple of years' wait for an Iliad, 62, but we said we have our show boat on display in Sydney Harbour and they were quite keen to get a boat quite quickly. So they uh, secured the boat with a contract subject to seeing the boat and uh, arrived into Sydney at 7.45am the morning of the boat show, jet lagged and tired and walked on board and within an hour signed the acceptance. So that was wonderful. That's exciting. Oh, great, great story. Yeah, great, great story. Great for the first boat that's been seen. We've got the second and the third and the fourth under construction. Uh, we now have seven to build after the boat show, so that's even more exciting. Yeah. But, uh, we're really pleased to see that the market uh, has seen in the boat what we believed was the market whole. The in, in production boats, uh, we all know you, you have a choice of a little bit of fabric colours, but that's the layout. The, the goal of Iliad's DNA was uh, robust, long-range, um, customizable uh, 
power catamaran. So when this is a blank canvas, imagine this is four walls and inside you can create whatever you want for the way your lifestyle is on board. Yeah, I noticed you're going through some plans with some people on board for yeah. some builds that are coming up for you. And there was even a dumb waiter in one of those. Yeah, yeah. Look, dumb waiters uh, from one galley to the upstairs galley in the flybridge uh, makes sense. Yeah, why makes a lot of sense. That, uh, well, you know, why, why spill your hors d'oeuvres uh, yeah. climbing up some stairs? Uh, it's really what whatever your imagination is, we can create within reason. Uh, we, we're restricted by the volume in the boat, but uh, we haven't got two galleys the same. We haven't got two dining areas the same. We, we don't have any lounge the same. Every part of the boat is really individual to each buyer. So I think that's a really nice stamp. Absolutely. Boat. Uh, and you, you'll see the next boat, I hope. I'll invite you all, uh, aboard, Nikki. That boat will be at Sentry Cove in May. Lovely. Um, a whole different concept to this. And what's that one? That's a 62 Iliad, of course, but mm -hmm. the lounge is uh, not where this lounge is. That's a dining area. They don't have a helm station on the main deck. Interesting. So it's all even more voluminous on this main deck. Yep. They have a fully enclosed flybridge, so, that, so that's like Okay, so you can do that with these. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Air-conditioned, uh, hence the dumbwaiter, up yep. to the upstairs galley. It's more of a upstairs galley lounge uh, area, and they're, they've just made subtle changes. They've used a... Uh, what we call LP wood and some different timber. This is American oak. Okay. Um, every timber finish and every boat we're building, there's not no two the same. Wow. So it, it's a it's a really different. I like the layout. Uh, yeah. I, I, this is our concept to show the market what you can do with this space, but that doesn't suit everyone. Uh, it's just an idea. Yeah. So that's amazing. So you get really good. Um customization of exactly what you want because everybody uses their boat differently right so they, they do plus you know the gas electric some people want gas some people want induction yeah some people want melee or uh, siemens or uh, appliances everyone's got their favorite brands absolutely but not everyone wants the dishwasher there the oven there the the the, the, the sink yes. some people have the sink of the aft of this galley uh, instead of forward because they entertain out this way uh, Drawer sizes. Yeah. We, we have people tell us their pot, their favourite pot is this size and yes. there's got to be a cupboard to fit it. So we fit the boat to their pot. That, <laughs> that That's the detail we go to with some, with some clients. That's amazing. Particularly if you've got a big uh, cast iron uh, favourite, you know, stew type thing they want to use. And they've never been out. They have it on their current boat. They have it in the back lazarette because it doesn't fit in the galley. So it's really about customization and optimizing the spaces for each individual. And there's very much in the the buyers. We have the the, the guys in the in the in the partnership uh, into their electronics and motors and water makers and uh, that type of thing. The the females in the partnership are right into their galley design. You know yep. their lounge, yep. their fabrics, their uh, this is ultra leather, uh, Promessa Tusk. This is out of a, a, an Italian supplier. Uh, but someone has got a fabric that they just want and, and, and a phone density that they want, twist density they want, or a bed width they want. You will notice with a lot of boats, uh, mat bed sizes can be awkward because of the shape of the boat. So yep. so we, we pretty much cover 90% of what everyone wants. There's always some compromise in a boat. 
um, because of the shapes we have to work in, but we yes. get pretty close. What's interesting is that people really do have ways in which they use their boat and, and different people have different reasons. I mean, there's some really simple things I noticed in terms of if you have grandchildren on this boat, you've got lovely high walkarounds and the gates that go across to the steps down to the back of the boat make it very practical for having children literally running around on this vessel. Absolutely. Uh, that's part of the Iliad DNA is the safety because we're, we're, uh, we, we've created a boat that has a long range. This boat does nearly 3,500 nautical miles. I know, that's amazing. Uh, so we can drive this to Fiji, New Zealand. We can go New Zealand return uh, wow. if you want to. But the safety aspect of the boat is a part of every uh, Iliad catamaran. It's uh, making sure that we're not blingy. That's one thing I made clear in with, with the project was when when you, when you get too fancy, the, it comes at a lot of compromise to sea keeping or to uh, uh, the way th this boat would feel. This is an apartment, yes, but a very safe ocean going apartment. Uh, you can see with the shapes we've made, the the high rails, the the, the stainless steel rear decks, but. Uh, the big one is even when you walk around the boat, there's no big gaps between anything. And we often have a, a client who wants to create something, but when we remind them, if you walk from that place to that place with that design and a wave hits the boat, you're not going to grab anything. Then they'll go, ah, you're right. Yeah. So we'll compromise that layout to to keep the, 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 the DNA of, of, of a safe seagoing boat. So, Mark, we're on the boat at the moment. It's a, it's a very, very comfortable space. I'm um, just explaining that to everybody at the moment because they may hear some marina noises in the background and birds and all that sorts of things. But it's kind of nice to actually interview you on board to get the real feel for the vessel and, and taking us out today was amazing. Um, tell me how this catamaran differs to perhaps some other brands in, in its seakeeping ability. Look, uh Catamarans have a renowned problem with the bridge deck, which is the gap between the two hulls we call the bridge deck, which we're sitting on now. You'll notice how high off the water we are, so our bridge deck clearance is exceptionally high in comparison to any other boats in the market. I think that might be the owners flying back to America. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it could be. Um, but... That, that is an important part of what we call bridge deck slapping. So when you're underway in an ocean uh, and you get a wave, a catamaran will tend to go through a wave where a monohull will, the buoyancy in a, in a, in a volume of a monohull will bounce over the top of a wave. Yep. Um, but that wave, as it passes through the narrower hulls, it has to pass through the bridge deck. So if the bridge deck is too low, you get a thud and you get a lot of uh, compacted water trying to make its way between the two hulls. Okay. So not only does it make the hull inefficient, 
uh, it makes it quite noisy. Uh, and I'm sure you found today you didn't hear any thuds or no. or bangs no. or, or so so look you know there's no uh, there's no perfect boat um, you know there, there every boat has a purpose uh, but you know we we can why can we do three and a half thousand miles we can do in perfect conditions we can get to four thousand miles yeah but we we say that with reserve fuel so it's because it's a very efficient hull. Uh, it has very little drag from the sea when the water passes between the hull. Uh, and that's doing the slower speeds of that nine knots, ten knots, which is the, the speed you tend to cruise at if you're crossing an ocean. You don't want to be doing 25 knots in, in the dark in a, 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 a foreign waterway. No. Um, so the, it's the, 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 the work on the hull we've done. We, we do a lot of... Uh, uh, tank testing, tow testing on our uh, concept before we launched it. And the other thing that a lot of people said today, they were surprised at, there was no spray offshore coming over the bow. A lot of catamarans suffer from uh, a spray over the bow mm -hmm. of the boat when you're underway. Mm -hmm. um, and we've overcome all these uh, uh, objections and we, you know, we're really happy with what we've achieved. Uh, as I say, it's not it's not the perfect boat for everyone, but yep. it's a real market for people that just want to travel long distances in a safe uh, boat. Look how high off the water we are. Yes, you know, it's a, if you're in a two meter sea, you, you don't you don't have waves over the deck because I mean we stand two point three meters our hull out yep. of the water. So it's a it's a a really um, and that that allows to give us the, to put the volume. Yeah. In the boat yeah. as well. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, bridge, bridge deck is one of our key features. Everyone talks about how, how much room is between the hull. Yeah. So there was a term you used just then, tow testing. Can you explain that one to me? So that's where you build the hull that you're proposing to make a mould. Okay. So before you make that hull, you build a, a scale prototype to the exact dimension, it's around three metres long, exact dimensions to the hull you're going to build. Okay. Then you plan all the equipment that is going to go in that boat. When every option, everything you can put on that boat. When you and where we're proposing to put that equipment, you run it through a series of uh, 500 metre runs in a test pool used by Boeing and Airbus and aircraft and uh, submarine manufacturers. It's a, not a cheap exercise. It, um, you're looking at 23, 25 US a day, yep. a thousand a day to, to hire the facility, but it gives you a critical data about your hull design. We, so, and we might run 50 runs, but we also apply a sea state of calm of one meter, three meters, wind state of force one to force seven, eight, and we understand what the boat's going to behave like, and have we got the trim right with the equipment, and that could result in moving the engines three hundred mil forward in the boat, uh, which will minimise the size of the cabin. We propose to put in there, so we have to overcome those compromises or we leave the engines where they are, but we move the water tank into another position. So, and, and again, at the end of the day, nothing is perfect. It's the best of everything that we can do 
to achieve the, the boat we're trying to launch in the market. So when we build the mould and we build the first boat, we know it's going to work. Fascinating. So talking of building moulds, um, is she hand-laid? Is she fusion? What, what is she? So the hull of this boat is full vinyl ester resin. It's uh, the most watertight resin you can use in the layup of, the, of, of any watercraft. Um, the core is all diab foam. It's a closed cell foam. So the, And we resin infuse the hull. So the resin infusion under great pressure goes through, through all the tiny cells through, through the diab foam to create a very strong, stiff uh, and a, a fairly lightweight hull compared to our old days of laying up a hull. When, when we laid up a hull in the old days, if, uh, you know, John rolling one side, pressure was different to Steve on the other side or Mary on one side and Robin on the other side, your thicknesses were very different and your weights were very different. Yeah. So what infusion does is allows a, a boat to be exact in every part, on every side, it is the same. And it has no air in it either. No, no. Yeah. And it's uh, environmentally uh, a very nice way to build a boat. You don't have the uh, the toxic fumes because it's done un from, from a, a drum into tubes into a sealed plastic uh, uh, infusion system. Uh, so it, it is the way uh, the best boats are built today yeah. in, in composite. And they're... Um they're therefore lighter, just as strong, but there, there lighter. Is li they're, they're as light as they can be with the strength tolerance they need to be. There's no waste. You know, you're not just putting resin in an area where it is of no use. So where are those hulls actually built? So our factory is in uh, China. We, we chose China because of the people that, as we pulled this project together, Riccardo Bulgarelli is an Italian naval architect who worked with me on the design of the hull. Uh, he, it's, uh, he, he's got a great spirit, young guy, late 30s, Italian, uh, did his apprenticeship with Azimut in Italy. Uh, he's, he's quite well known for some interesting boats that he's designed and built over the years. He built uh, quite a few hundred, 120 footers for uh, clients out of his design office and he was based in China. That's okay. where I met him. Yeah, because he was doing boats for the Middle East. He was doing boats for Europe and American clients, and he was quite interested in uh, creating a range of boats instead of doing project, then another project, then another project. And we met uh, a number of guys. John Tellerwood used to run McConaughey's uh, for seventeen years. Uh, Bruce Livingston is now working with us, well-known guy, used to work with Grand Banks and uh, other shipyards in Southeast Asia. So we just had the right people and that was the load, that was where it suited everyone to be. So it's like I live on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, people don't understand why I'm not in Sydney, but uh, that's where my family are and, and we run our whole business from Mooloolaba. There you go, the, love that. Uh, you know, we, we have an, quite an expansive business, but that's where we like to be. So, the, uh, and we uh, met a great bunch of guys who are uh, very westernised boat, boat builders and it just all came together in China. And against, uh, you know, uh, I knew the the concern people have with China, but, you know, we, we import boats. Our business is broader than Iliad. We have uh, 
a retail business. We import boats out of France and out of uh, Sri Lanka and out of Poland and out of uh, Italy. The, the the culture and the delivery and you, you can see the finish in this boat. Yeah. It's as good as anywhere in the world. And yeah, we're so pleased that we undertook the project there. The, the winner is the customer. Yeah. We're, we're on a boat that would cost us six and a half million if we built it in Europe or Australia. Uh, and here's an amazing boat for low five millions because of the, the, the great cost advantages we have in China. And uh, they, they do a terrific job. Yeah, the finishes are absolutely mm. extraordinary on this boat. They are. Yeah, every piece of stainless is incredibly solid and um, the catches are well, really all, high quality. You know, it's things like that that well, you notice. I, I don't know whether I mentioned, but all, you know, the glass in this boat is made in New Zealand. We import it, we, we send it to the shipyard. Mm-hmm. All the sliding doors are made on the Gold Coast by, you know, the best, uh, it's, these are in Maritimos, Rivieras, anything you'll find in the market. Mm-hmm. We, we go to the best suppliers. Um, all the catches and hinges, anything that is a fitting on this boat comes out of Italy. There you go. See? So, you know, the door catches, uh, the drawer catches, you know, all the appliances are as they are. You know, the yeah. Delay Siemens, all the electronics are Raymarine or Garmin. The uh, upholstery is all out of Italy. It's all Korean uh, bench tops, it's all high mac flooring, um, or what the customer wants. You know, if the customer wants a, a laminated, Laminex top, we'll do it, but yeah, uh, yeah. they're generally not our market. But um, all the timbers are chosen, hand-selected for each boat by yeah. our team. If they want a certain timber, we make sure we buy a lot more than we need for the boat because the the uh, the patterns in timber have to – you can see how we match our timber patterns. You've got to we, – we, we have a fair bit of disposed stuff. Well, that – that's got a real knot in it that's not going to work there. So we, we do a, a, the best we can to keep it all seamless. What's the cockpit floor? So that's um, a synthetic teak. Okay. Uh, traditional teak is still loved by a lot of people. Yes. But we all know how. It's running out. It, it's running out. <laughs> it's grown very quickly. Yep. So we don't have the longevity of what uh, our old Halversons had uh, with their teak decks, you know, 50 years ago. Yeah. So... Um, this is environmentally a, a better product. Yes. Um, it's we, You'll notice the grey corking through it. Yes. We use that because the black corking is what really brings the heat to it as well. Yeah. Too much heat from black, you know. So, yeah. you know, it, it can get a bit warm um, like any deck of a boat. Nothing's better than the good old non-skid white on a boat. We all know that if yeah. you've been in boats. But, yeah. Uh, you, you can't not put it on. It looks no. wonderful. Yeah. You know, uh, it's uh, it just uh, brings the boat together. And the, uh, the the product is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether you've been on the 50 in front of us, but that's two years old and it looks no different to this boat. That's so obviously lower maintenance for the clients as well. Yep. Red wine, wash it off. Uh, any marks, they just wash off. You, you tend to gurney it. Yes. With a gurney and it, it looks like you. Yeah. But the grey corking is a very good idea. That's, that, see, that's little. It's little details like that that if you think about and you apply to the design, that's what makes the difference to the client actually enjoying the boat. Yes, you know, black is quite hard. You know, it's yeah. uh, quite traditional. But um, you know, we've got a, I think one boat we're doing black because that's what they want and it works with some of their colour scheme. So I understand that. I, we we do some with white. And that's, that's stunning, but yeah. it's quite hard to keep clean. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> the, 
the galley on this vessel is enormous. I don't think I've ever seen a galley this big. And I counted 10 draw fridges on this boat. Yes, well, Vina, <laughs> and look, you'll notice in the galley, they're fridges or freezers. Exactly. So you can press, yeah. you can, the, the temperature range is minus, minus 18 through to uh, four degrees. There's your temperature range. You know, you can have a fridge at zero, you can have a, a freezer at minus 10 and one at minus 18. If you, you know, you can adjust them. Because it's a passage baking boat, you tend to stock up you might leave with uh, six or eight of your fridge freezers as freezers. And as we, as we make the Pacific Islands and start to kind of move through our food on board, our provisions, we slowly turn the freezer down and eventually you turn them off. So oh, that you sounds, don't, sounds you, terrible. Pacific <laughs> Islands, I mean, oh, dear. <laughs> well, why not? Uh, you know, it depends how many fish you catch on the way as well. But uh, sounds it's amazing. Really good to have the option, you know. Yeah. This has got nearly uh, 2,000 litres of fridge storage. You've wow. seen it upstairs. Just in the owner's cabin, you've got a fridge. Uh, oh, I missed one then. So it's oh, 11. Oh, you haven't seen them all then, uh, Nikki. Sorry. <laughs> You're not looking hard enough. So. <laughs> but, um, but the idea is that you can push of a switch, they're off. So you're not using power. You don't need it. You know, you're using, you're keeping your, your frozen goods in, in good order uh, and uh, you know that's the D, the DNA of this boat. It's a it's a long range boat. I mean, you know, three months, four months on board without without tying up to a marina. That that's what it's capable of doing. That's fantastic. There's another little feature I noticed which I really like too, which happens very occasionally on boats, and I love it when it does. And that is the day head in the cockpit area, which means you can come off the beach with your sandy feet Absolutely. and use the bathroom and then go back out to the beach without upsetting anyone about getting your sand in the carpet. That's right. It's, uh, <laughs> look, and, and, and why? Uh, you know, our team between us, we've probably lived on boats between us for 100 years. You know, mm. uh, we, we've spent, uh, you know, you know, our operational technical team have you know, been on white boats for 10 years as engineers or I've had private boats, I've been on with my family, I've, I've you know, grown up on boats. And it's one of those things that we felt was essential to, to, to create an area. Even if you're swimming and you want to jump out of the water, use the bathroom, jump back in the water, you don't have to dry yourself, walk through the boat into a bathroom, back out, jump in the water again. Mm. You know, it's, it's just, it, it was common sense, but also... For what the DNA of the boat is, it's great storage. Yep. If you don't want to, if you don't want to use it, or you're not using it because you are heading down to Tasmania and it's a bit cold, or if you're up in the Northern Territory and you're not going to dive in the water because it's full of crocodiles, it, it's a great storage area. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mark, let's go back a little bit. When did you get into this wonderful boating industry that uh, is something you've obviously been part of for a very long time? Well. Look, probably my parents, four years old, I was thrown in a, a dinghy and uh, shouted that off a, off the beach to, you know, to, to learn to sail. Uh, it, probably that's the thread. Um, but more so probably out of school, I uh, went into Maritime College. Uh, I, I ended up, be, I was going to join uh, the Customs in WA. It was a fork in the road. Okay. Uh, to uh, join a new build and run a customs boat uh, that was being built, a catamaran. But um, the guys that didn't do very well in the college ended up crayfishing 
becoming fishermen, and that's what I ended up doing. I thought that sounded a lot more fun. So, yeah, from the crayfishing industry to uh, boat maintenance to the yacht charter industry, uh, it, there's been evolution. In, I've just always been connected to boats. What got me into catamarans was uh, we started Sunsail Yacht Charters in Australia in oh, 1994. Okay. Uh, we, uh, myself and a guy, Ziggy Drews, a great German friend of mine. Yeah. And at that time when we connected the Sunsail brand, um, we had a lot of international clients wanting to come to the Barrier Reef to the Whitsundays and they wanted a catamaran. And we had a lot of monohulls. Uh, a long story, but uh, eventually I went to Europe uh, and I bought a catamaran back from Europe. And it was a great success for the charter industry. When I sold that business, I carried the multi-hull concept on in, in a supply chain to introduce private buyers to, to multi-hulls. Yeah. And Trim, that trimarans, catamarans as well, you know, like yeah. two hulls, three hulls. And that's been our passion for 20, 25 years. And that's the name of your business, the Multi Hull Group. Multi Hull Solutions. Yeah. 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 So that's one of our kind of businesses. We have a Mono Hull business now as well, which is kind of selected brands for Mono Hull enthusiasts. Mm. As I say, uh, we love boats. I mean, mm. whether one hull, two hull, three hull, but it's mm. really nice to 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 work with people and give them what they want. They'll catamarans, and you you sell monohulls. You tend to talk people out of, out of that. Of course, you know if you if we didn't sell monohulls, uh, we and we only could sell catamarans, we tend to talk people out of monohulls. So our goal is to get the right boat fit for every person we can, get them on the right track. Iliad then was created from people walking away uh, at boat shows and people that I met who they, they wanted this longer range. They wanted a boat that they could feel safe to park on a beach if there was a cyclone coming or go up to a, in a mangrove, if they're in an isolated area in the world, they could go up a mangrove channel and, get, and survive, save the boat. Um, Interesting. They wanted... Uh, Customize some customization. There was all these little moving parts in my head back in 2016. Um, so I tried to find a shipyard to adapt a boat to become what this is, and with a commitment of a number of orders. But it was just it wasn't happening. So yeah. uh, bravely we we entered into a project together, uh, found the right people, and created Iliad Catamarans. And uh, it's been quite anxious for the last three or four years to see would this work. But uh, look, you know, $20 million of sales at the Sydney Boat Show, it's proven it's worked. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really exciting. Mm. And and literally having people flying in from other countries to see the vessel to confirm that, that's their even purchase. more overwhelming to us yeah. when, you know look we've turned a lot of inquiry or business away from the american market because uh we haven't wanted boats that far away we need our boats close to us until we get to know that everything is working that that we've got it right you know yeah. we've only launched eight or ten boats um we you know i want to see us with 20 boats on the water uh before we start to to allow our boats to disappear that far away as I understand it, that couple are actually go intending to spend some serious time here before they are. They take uh, her anywhere. At least a year, um, which was what we explained we needed. So it's a, it's great. They understand it, and they'll be so well supported. They'll they'll appreciate that uh, being here. Nothing worse than buying a boat and being stuck in a nice somewhere where you can't get service, you can't get the help you need. 
Um, so we're very, because we build the boat and we, we handle the sale, we're very connected to the customer. We can't blame the shipyard, can't blame the distributor. We, we can't blame anyone but ourselves if the customer's not getting the service they need. And we, we, we're still making sure we've got this right. We know we have, but we're never going to rest on our laurels and just think it's all good, you know. So uh, you have Rachel working with your team. She seems a very uh, cluey young lady. Yeah, uh, Rachel. What's her uh, role been here? With us for, gosh, I, I remember sitting in a in a pub in Early Beach, uh, asking her to come and join us. Uh, must be, must be twelve years ago. If you're listening, Rachel, sorry, I should know, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, her goal was to get into the marketing arena and. Uh, uh, she was working with the old Sunsail business um, after we'd sold it. So I right. heard about this girl and someone said to me, this is the person you need to to kind of connect to your, give your marketing a whole new lift. And uh, it's been great. She's an incredible lady, hard worker. Um, we helped, uh, the, the plan was, okay, I want to do a marketing degree. We helped with that process and uh, we had a couple of goals together and she got distinctions in, you know, a Bachelor of Business major in marketing and shone through and, and uh, she runs a marketing of $120 million turnover business now. So so it's a great accolade. And then our Chief Operating Officer, Michael, who drove the boat today. Yes. A little love affair internally in the business. And oh. They're married with two children. So oh, how lovely. So oh, how, that's great. It, and it's, we save on hotel accommodation <laughs> now because we've got two people in one room. <laughs> exactly right. Keep it in the family, literally. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but we are a very, uh, we are a close-knit bunch of people. Mm. You know, there's uh, uh, 20 of our staff have been with us for at least 10 years. Yep. Um, we have very little staff turnover. Um, yeah. You know, most people start, stay. Uh, there's a great career path with us. We have 11 offices in seven countries uh, in our retail business. We have offices in Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, wow. French Polynesia, New Caledonia, New Zealand, six, five offices in Australia. So it's great for young people because they can go and spend time in working in Asia, yeah. spend time working in New Zealand or Australia. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really diverse business. So we're multi-location, multi-branded. Um Iliad is our own baby, you know, it's our own brand that we tuck in here in Australia. Yes. But, um, you know, it, it's great that, that we have that reach of, um, you know, uh, people. In all, in, and that's really where our people cruise. Our clients, if they pick up a boat, you know, delivered to Australia, they sail the Pacific. Yeah. And we have offices and support there. Uh, if you look at the trade winds, you'll sail to Asia. It's beautiful. But once you're there, that's the end of the trade winds. So... Uh, people who buy boats from us and pick up in Europe and sail across, you know, through the Panama and across the Pacific, they usually will end up in New Zealand, Pacific, Australia or Asia. It's the end of the trade wind routes and that's why we have that kind of captured office uh, area at, at the end of the trade wind routes. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Mm. Well, as the sun goes down on this beautiful day, Mark, we have yeah, been out for a so. terrific run on this vessel. That was amazing. Um, but now we're sitting in the dining area and there's this lovely sun going down on the back deck. And But it's beautifully shaded. It's lovely. We've got uh, – I love the fact that the flybridge covers over the cockpit completely. For Australia, that is sensational. Yeah, and one thing, if it rained, 
The water yeah. won't drip on the couch. No, that's true too. All these little, isn't it? little things I've seen in boats my whole life. Just yeah. why not a little longer? Yes. Why not a little bit this or a little just tweaks and changes? And yes. that's what this is about. Yeah. Just and tweaks and changes. Yeah, and I just I just, I sat out the front earlier and and just oh oh look the sun lounger just pulls up. That's all mm. it does. Yeah. It's really easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing fancy. We're not you know we're, we're practical. Yeah. You know it's uh it's a very practical easy to manage boat and i think that's what we all need to yeah. enjoy the water we're yeah. getting a bit fancy right? in some areas <laughs> and there's some wonderful gadgets out there but uh, at the end of the day you know a cold fridge a warm oven a comfortable bed and the ocean is all you need or well, except for your outstanding um spirit straw you've got there that well, I, I, I i like that, that one so special occasions oh, you know, for that uh oaks. lovely scotch on the rocks after you know, after a hard day at the beach it's not bad is it it's very nice there's it, guys just to explain to you there's a beautiful glass uh cabinet next to the to the dining area and you open it up and then it's got this um fixed box that you could put you know a bottle of spirit in each section that actually pulls out so you can see it really easily so there's there's just practical little things all over this boat that you notice the lighting is spectacular on the on this boat there is there is light little subtle hints of lighting everywhere um as well as an abundance of windows that give you so much light into the space yeah and that's ricardo bolrelli our designer you see the mirrors in above you little thin oh, yeah. mirrors with the lights in, in the the ceiling. Idea, just it just gives you a sense of a bit more height yes but it's not a mirror that you would notice yeah people don't notice it until i point it out but no that's why this roof line feels a bit like it's a bit higher up there than it is yes so and le- and yes and up. then you've got the really nice yes. so that around the side of the uh, of the saloon area we've got a sort of recessed area and yeah. just behind that is a little is light isn't light. it so yeah. yeah it's it's just beautifully it's done it's got a great mood it's uh it's very calming boat to be on you know, mm. there's a lot of um a lot of hours of of hard uh thinking have gone into this boat not and not just the thing is the design is one thing then there's a technical side and then there's a uh a functional side of everything you know what sometimes we want to achieve we can't because it won't function properly it'll be too difficult to 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 maintain or run or uses too much power so there's a lot of wow that's gonna be great and then we all kind of come back and go well that's the best we can do because it's practical you know yeah. so it always come back comes back to the practical part of what we're trying to do yeah. so if you could take this beautiful girl somewhere tomorrow to enjoy some peaceful relaxing boating where would you go mark i'd probably uh i'd head to fiji for about a month or two and then i'd head out to french polynesia to tahiti (gasps) and i'd probably live out there for about a year oh très bien it's a pretty cool place i don't know if you haven't been there but if you haven't been to french polynesia boating in that area is probably one of the greatest in the world you know i know hundreds of boat owners who have sailed the caribbean uh, the Mediterranean, uh, Southeast Asia, the wonderful place in the world, and the Pacific. And I reckon eight in ten of those people, when I ask that question, Tahiti and French Polynesia, and the broader Pacific, is probably the, be- the best sailing in the world, the best boating grounds in the world. 
So on that beautiful note, folks, we shall finish up dreaming as if we've got a cocktail out in Tahiti on this beautiful Iliad 62. Thank you very much for your time today, Mark. Thank you, Mickey. And uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity to tell our story and um, let's uh, hope uh, more people get out on the water uh, hearing what we're doing and what the industry's doing. Yeah, it's exciting. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Boat Princess podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you'd like to know more about what I do and where I am, then you can follow me on Instagram at the Boat Princess. You can also sign up to my newsletter on my website, which is theboatprincess.com. Take care of yourselves, everyone, and hopefully we'll see you on the water soon. Thank mm-hmm. you.